1: You know what cheers me up? What? Right. Rolled-up aces over king. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. The House of Cards.
2: Today, the game is different. With author and professional poker player, Ashley Adams.
3: Okay, you have some skill.
4: Hello, everyone. I'm Ashley Adams. This is House of Cards. We're going to have a wonderful show for you this hour. Uh, We have a guest who's been on many times before. He's one of the best people I know to talk with about poker. Frankly, it's not talking with him. It's listening to him because he can go on and on in a fascinating way. His name is Johnny Hughes. He's an old-time road gambler, poker thinker, poker writer. I think you'll enjoy him. And, of course, we'll have a mailbag segment as well. So stay tuned. We'll be back shortly.
2: Hey, this is Dave from House of Cards. So, what did everyone think of the Party Poker Garden State Super Series? I gotta tell you, I had a blast. I played in a great tournament and met some of the greatest online poker players on New Jersey's premier online poker site, nj.partypoker.com. But you really don't have to wait for the big events like the Garden State Super Series to win big money with Party Poker. Check this out. Every Sunday, Party Poker has a tournament with a guaranteed prize pool of $50,000. That's right, 50000 bucks. You can buy in directly or win an entry in one of their daily qualifiers during the week. So join in all the fun and the cash at nj.partypoker.com. You can sign up at our website, houseofcardsradio.com, or you can go directly to their site, nj.partypoker.com. So if you think you got the chops and you're 21, get to New Jersey, get online, and play at nj.partypoker.com. And don't forget... Party Poker has a mobile app with a new multi-table tournament function. So if you see me looking at my phone, I'm probably not looking at email. NJ.PartyPoker.com. This is what online poker is all about. Hey, this is Dave from House of Cards, and I just wanted to take a minute to tell you about Jersey Man Magazine. Whether you're born and bred in Jersey like me, or even from Jersey but live somewhere else, Jersey Man is the perfect magazine for you. Jersey Man's available at most major newsstands, and you can even subscribe online. That's jerseymanmagazine.com. Jersey Man Magazine. Hey, if you're from Jersey, it's the only magazine you'll ever need.
4: Hi, listeners, this is Ashley Adams. I just wanted to uh, mention something, that if any of you have any poker questions that you would like to ask We are always interested in your questions and comments about the show, about the guests, strategy questions. They could be practical questions about where and how to find the game. Send your questions to info at houseofcardsradio.com dot com and you can also get our tweets on Twitter at www.twitter.com dot com slash hocradio. We're very interested in them and of course if they're particularly interesting we'll put them on the air and answer them here in our segment of mailbag. Info at house of cards dot com and www.twitter.com dot twitter dot com slash hoc radio. Info at house of cards dot com and www.twitter.com dot twitter dot com slash HOC radio.
2: This is House of Cards Radio with Ashley Adams.
4: In the field of local live entertainment. Oh my God! Welcome back, everyone. This is Ashley Adams. You're listening to House of Cards. And those of you who have been fans of the show for a while, those of you who have tuned in over the last few years have heard the guy that we're going to have on. You know he is a wonderful guest. You know, we we have a lot of young guns on, a lot of promoters, a lot of people who know all about the latest technology. But my favorite type of guests are like this guy right here, Johnny Hughes, who is a self-described road gambler of the old school, and we're going to talk to him about his experiences, and actually about his strategy uh, for winning at No Limit Hold'em. So without further ado, Johnny Hughes, are you there? I'm here. Well, great. Tell us about your latest project and uh, what it's all about.
3: Okay. Um, This will be my third book, and I have just finished it. And I look on myself. I, I was a university teacher for 20 years, I look on myself as a teacher teaching young gamblers uh, and teaching poker players how to be gamblers and passing on the oral traditions and all that were passed on to me. The book I just finished is a novel, and it's got a guy my age teaching a young poker player who's a fabulous player, fabulous cash game player, uh, all about being a gambler, and all of his philosophies, and those same philosophies transfer over into real life. <laughs> but let when me. I was. Let me ask young, you
4: another. Yeah, I was just going to say. Why don't you start with your background and let our listeners okay. know who don't know you a little bit about their back about your background.
3: Yeah, I'm uniquely qualified to to write about these things because when I was a teenager, I wanted to be a professional gambler. We had several in the family, and my great-uncles on my mother's side were road gamblers, and my mother was a fantastic card player, and uh, I fell in with a guy named Curly Cavett, who uh, kept out of the limelight, but he was uh, just the constant. When Doyle Brunson reviewed an article I'd written about Curly, he wrote, wrote that Curly was the consummate gambler. He had no tr- leaks. <clears throat> but he taught me everything about it. And he introduced me to future Poker Hall of Famers, Sarge Ferris and Johnny Moss. And I used his name in Las Vegas. I met Benny Binion through Curly. And he got me a job working for another Hall of- Poker Hall of Famer, Bill Boyd, at the Golden Nugget, playing stud for the house shilling. And um, I just wanted to be a gambler and I learned a lot about it. And I'll combine a little etiquette here. I uh, I started out kind of as a trash talker, you know, around the high school and college games. And my mother was real obnoxious, really obnoxious, and a terrible cook, a dear old mom. But she was probably the world's most obnoxious card player. And we traveled to bridge tournaments in several states. And she and she gambled at golf and bridge, and she would make the opponents mad. Well, when I first started winning good money playing poker, there were Lubbock was a poker center where I live here, Lubbock, Texas. Several professional gamblers lived here. Johnny Moss lived here once. uh, Bill Smith, main event champ of '85, and these guys trained me. But before that, I, as a freshman in college, I got in with these guys older than me, about you know, 10 years or thir- guys in their 30s. And I was just winning a ton of money off them. And I was kind of a trash talker, and we'd con back then. We'd ask to split the pot and stuff, you know. And um, I went up to a steam bath one time. These guys from the poker game were in the steam bath. And I could overhear them talking about me. And they were saying he's obnoxious and he's a wise ass and he's winning all our money and his name's in the paper all the time for these bridge tournaments. Let's bar him. And one other guy said, No, nah, he loses a goose. We'll win that money back and everything." And it wasn't too long after that that they did bar me. But these old professional gamblers—they taught you how to dress, dress very nice, because we're trying to attract the oil men, the businessmen, the lawyers act very nice to them. They're like your customers and you're a salesman. It's supposed to be entertaining. Light talk. Make people enjoy themselves. And Bridge got hurt a lot by the weaker players, got run off. They were intimidated by the experts. And to a degree, poker's that happens in poker. You should be nice to everybody. But they would tell us... You know, we showed up on time to help get the game started. Be a good little game starter, they'd say. And we dressed well. We treated everybody nice. Don't rib a loser. If you want to trash talk a little joke, do it with your friends. But never insult the producers, you know. And don't hold up the poker game. One of the main things that irritates me these days in etiquette is people won't look at their hand until it comes to them because they think they're on TV and it gives them a chance to get the limelight. And you should look at your hand immediately for strategic and courtesy reasons. And that way, you can observe the people behind you. And if you just stop and wait till it's to you, then everybody's observing you at once. And it's just—I saw a tournament the other night. And and a guy did that. You know, he would wait till it's to him. And then he'd just study, even if he was going to fold. He'd study a good while and then fold. He was slow playing the game. And oftentimes, I think, the weaker players will kind of hold up the game because they want their money to last.
4: We are going to be back quickly, so stay tuned.
0: She loves Dynavite. I've just tried this wonderful, catalicious Dynavite for Cats. The vitamins, the minerals. It's got all the stuff in it that cats really like.
2: You don't even have to put food with the Dynavite. She will eat the powder right out of the scoop.
0: I was thrilled when I heard Dynavite for Cats was coming out because I'd seen the changes in my dog. She is not scratching anymore. She's not chewing anymore. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E
2: dot com. 859 428-1000. Eight,
3: Sammy, he's
2: 13, 14 years old
3: and running around a little bit more. His coat is a little bit softer and shinier.
2: Justin's eyes sparkle more. He bats at stuff. He kind of jumps around. Daisy and Susie have a cat tree in my living room and lately she's been climbing up to the top, jumping up there and then she'll climb back down and then she's right back up again.
0: It is just the best dynamite for cats.
4: 859 859-428-1000
1: D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com
2: You're listening to the House of Cards.
1: Do you know what a straight flush is? It's like
3: unbeatable.
1: Like unbeatable is not unbeatable.
4: poker players, welcome back. This is Ashley Adams. You're listening to House of Cards. I want our listeners, first of all, to remember that or to learn that we're talking to Johnny Hughes, who is a great poker storyteller and writer. And also, you have done some stuff on strategy. Can you incorporate into your remarks something about some strategic things that you have learned at the table as far as when to be aggressive, what kind of seat you may want, uh, and what to do when you're facing aggressive players.
3: You bet. Well, I have what's called a huge strategy. I've written for Pup Bluff Europe, the biggest poker magazine there, every month for five years. And I write memoirs, strategy, psychology. I have a PhD in organizational psychology. And when I taught, I would use poker strategy and poker, things about poker as an example, and the students really like that. But in the Hughes strategy, at no limit hold'em, you do never raise in the fourth and the fifth seat. You just trap. That's the key element of the thing. And then you play kind of tied ABC around to the cutoff and the button, and then you play very aggressively. And I was an aggressive player back in the day because the old pros were coming out of five stud and they were tight, you know. And now with everyone so aggressive, I do not raise in the four and the five seat. Uh, I trap because you can pretty much count on a raise and you can count on these weak button raises and You know, people with bad hands want to raise it because they saw it on TV. Well, let me ask you
4: about that specifically, Johnny. Uh, So let's say you're sitting in the five seat. You're in mid-position, and you've got a pair of aces or a pair of kings. You don't raise with that hand. You just call.
3: Absolutely. I play big pot poker, and part of this is you're playing against the rake now as much as the other players, and so I want the pots to be big. But say you do raise with two aces in the four seat and three or four of them call you, well, you're kind of in trouble because you've got to act first the whole way. But say you just call and someone else raises, now you may re raise. And I'm, I'm going to re raise in that spot with ace, king, aces, or kings probably call it with queens and jacks and that sort of thing. But in other words, it neutralizes position, actually, because the others make their big actions. If you raise in the four-seat, there's only the blinds out there. What, do you want to hurry up and get them before you get in some action with those aces? And if no one raises and you just get calls behind you, you got to be kind of careful. I mean, you know, you bet half the size of the pot or something. You don't want to get too wound up about it unless you do get a raise but aces kings and ace king play best against one other person and so this way and also if one guy raises and three or four of them call they're not going to be able to call my re-raise i'm going to re-raise the size of the pot and sometimes even more and in the early parts of a game if i'm in a casino you know I might still be short-stacked because they'll only let you sit in a certain amount. And this play works pretty good just to move in. And you have a deceptive value. They don't know what you're doing. And very often they think, you know, I've heard them say this a hundred times, they think that you uh, have a pair but a smaller one, a mid-one-down that you're re-raising, well, you couldn't raise it, and now you can. And people will say, he couldn't raise it. It's not I couldn't raise it, young man. It's that I didn't raise it. You have a choice, you know. But I've been doing this for four, four or five years, and um, I started playing a lot of poker when I retired ten years ago, and I just went on a hell of a winning streak. And it was a lot, there was some luck involved. I don't even believe in luck, you know. I don't believe in losing streaks much, but I, I was really hitting some hands, and I had won some pots doing this, you know, and I started keeping a notebook. And this just really was good, although my notebook, my record-keeping was flawed because the mathematics wasn't true. I mean, I never did lose on two kings. I just never did. But if you'll take ace-king on the on the odds calculator— it's good against any hand except kings or aces, and you got a 30% chance against kings. And so you're trying to build a bigger pot with those quality hands, and you're also getting to act last. If a real tight player raises it up that hardly ever plays a pot, I might just smooth call him with ace king. But if one of these aggressive button raisers, and that's the flow of poker. Crandall Addington, who's one of my pen pals and giving given good reviews to my books, book, uh, he said, you know, we didn't have that flow of poker in the past. Very few move-ins before the turn. And people have changed their poker because of work, tournaments and watching it on TV. But by the same token, I'm playing position here. In other words... You raise in those early positions, and it just it doesn't do you as as much good. You might lose a big pot or win a little one. I'm trying to win a big pot, and you end up with some matchup situations that are just so ideal. If one guy raises it and three or four call him and you make a real big bet and get one caller. Well, both of you probably have the best of it with the uh, and you know if you had ace King and he had a pair of nines. Both of you have some money out there in that pot now, where you didn't have money in the pot beforehand. But uh, I've experimented with this; uh, it's the, it's the only way I play. And if you're in a tight game, you might raise in the five seat and not the four seat. But this is fun to play too. So where do you play, Johnny? Where do you play most? Okay. Of your
4: Where do you play most of your poker these days? Hello. Yeah, where do you play most of your poker these days?
3: I couldn't hear you, Ashley.
4: Oh, I I said where do you play most of your poker these days?
3: Okay. I play at a place that you've interviewed the poker manager, Winstar Jay Wild. Oh yeah,
4: down in southern Oklahoma where everybody in the parking lot is from Texas.
3: Everybody. And uh it's a friendlier place than Vegas, and it's so much cheaper to go to. And I don't play so much nowadays. Uh, poker was life-changing for me up until t- most of my dang life, you know, over 50 years of my life. Uh, even when I had a, I had a job the last 30 years straight, didn't miss a day of work, but I depended on poker to supplement my income and did well in Vegas most nearly every year at the world series in the cash games. And I'd get so dang lucky one day that it was kind of hard to tell if I could even beat the dang town, but everything's it's, it costs twice as much to get there. The, you can't stay right downtown with where everybody is, you know, the early world series was the most delightful thing in the world. Um, what was, first, what was your first? What was your first
4: year players. of the World Series, Johnny? What year? Uh-huh. What year was your first year of the World Series?
3: Seventy-five. I flew out there with Amarillo Slim, who was already famous, getting in the, the night show and was already won the World championship once, and uh, even got a good photograph of me and him from that trip. And then I'd go every other year, sometimes every year for a few years, and. You know, I just I had a good record out there, uh and I just loved doing it, but I was usually on there only there about five days up to seven or so, and I felt my time would be better played in the uh cash games. And when it first started they didn't have satellites and I wasn't about to put down ten thousand dollars to play against the very best players from Texas and that's what they were, you know. And, uh, but I was a little bit short-sighted because I had tournament experience from bridge tournaments and knew how to pace myself for an afternoon and an evening session and long sessions and how it's not just one hand, but it's the accumulation of your scores and stuff. And I had a lot of good experience and I, I might have done better if I'd have saved up my money and got in the the tournaments but I was usually to the point that uh if I didn't win in Vegas I was going to have to borrow some money for the summer or something in other words I'm I'm would spend myself broke
4: We're going to take a break and then we'll be right back
0: You can make this Valentine's Day one that you'll both never forget with this amazing offer from adamandeve.com. Through Valentine's Day, you'll receive 50% off just about any item. Just go to adamandeve.com and you'll find over 18,000 adult entertainment products, including toys, lingerie, and a seemingly endless selection of adult DVDs. And there's more. With every order, you'll receive our romance kit, free. Our romance kit includes a toy for him, a special massager for her, and a little something we know you'll both enjoy. Plus, a free adult DVD to put you in the mood. And that's not all. Oh, no. We'll also throw in free shipping on your entire order. So check out adamandeve.com today for this special Valentine's offer. Get 50% off one item, a free romance kit, and free shipping when you enter offer code BABE16. B-A-B-E-16. That's BABE16 at adamandeve.com.
2: Hey, this is Dave from House of Cards, and I just wanted to take a minute to tell you about Jersey Man Magazine. Check out their website, JerseyManMagazine.com, for more information and some really cool JerseyMan merchandise. JerseyMan's available at most major newsstands, and you can even subscribe online. That's JerseyManMagazine.com. JerseyMan Magazine. Hey, if you're from Jersey, it's the only magazine you'll ever need. Available 24 hours a day. Call the hotline or send us an email at info at HouseOfCardsRadio.com. And don't forget to visit our website at HouseOfCardsRadio.com and follow the show on Twitter and Facebook. By leaving a message with House of Cards, you can send to having your message played on the air.
4: Hi, listeners. This is Ashley Adams. I just wanted to let you know about a newspaper in the New England area you're looking for poker tournaments or the latest promotions at Foxwoods, Mohegan Sun, Twin River, or if you want to find out what's happening in Las Vegas, Atlantic City, or other casinos around the country, then I recommend you check out New England Gaming News for all the latest news, events, and hot casino action from around the region. You can do that in one of two ways. You can either pick up their free copies at gambling venues throughout New England, Or you can visit them at www.thenegn.com and sign up for exclusive specials and promotions. That's www.thenegn.com. The New England Gaming News, New England's only resource for complete casino and poker news.
2: Hey, this is Dave Weishato from House of Cards with your House of Cards gaming report for the week of February 2nd, 2015. Last week, a Delaware judge allowed Caesars Entertainment to move its bankruptcy proceedings to a Chicago court. Caesars lawyers feel this will make it easier to reorganize the property and protect the casino's owners from liability in the $20 billion insolvency case. Creditors objected to the move to Chicago because they opposed the reorganization plan Caesars proposed. Well, some more bad news for Atlantic City. In the wake of Governor Chris Christie's appointment of an emergency management team for the Gambling Hub, Standard & Poor's cut the city's credit rating to junk. The emergency manager, Kevin Lavin, is required to prepare and recommend a plan to stabilize the city's finances within 60 days. Last year, the city's casino revenue tumbled to $2.5 billion. This is from a high of $5.2 billion in 2006. And finally, Leonardo DiCaprio, Robert De Niro, Brad Pitt, and Martin Scorsese are all finally working together. However, it's not a big Hollywood film. It's a commercial for a couple of casinos. Their short film will be promoting the City of Dreams Casino in Manila and Studio City Casino in Macau. It's been rumored that each received $13 million for their effort. Come on, the owners of this station would have promoted those places for a lot less. Have any news or tips regarding casinos, gaming, or legislation? Send us an email at newsroom at houseofcardsradio.com and follow us on Twitter at HOC Radio. Something exciting is happening in New Jersey. People are cheering in Cherry Hill and cashing in chips, pumping fists in Fort Lee and flopping full houses. Get the thrill and play on your laptop, tablet, or mobile at borgattapoker.com. Real money anywhere in New Jersey. The Borgata Hotel and Casino is a name you can trust so you can be sure that borgatapoker.com is secure. And now with a $25 deposit, you can get a $20 bonus when you sign up for Borgata Poker at houseofcardsradio.com. Remember, you must be at least 21 and physically present in New Jersey to play. Gambling problem? Call one 800 gambling This is House of Cards Radio with Ashley Adams,
3: the ambassador of poker.
2: Join us online at
3: HouseOfCardsRadio.com.
4: Welcome back, listeners. This is Ashley Adams. You're listening to House of Cards. Listeners, we're talking to Johnny Hughes, who is an old road gambler and professor and teacher who's just written a novel and has written interesting books in the past about his poker experiences uh, Johnny, did you ever play in a tournament out in Las Vegas? Did you ever play in a poker tournament in the oh, World
3: sure. Series? sure. I've played in small tournaments, and we used to play this. I won satellites, uh, one tables. We'd play the one tables, and I would uh, sell it. And we, we played freeze out here way back in the 50s and 60s, where to, it was a promotional deal to get the game started, get everybody to show up on time. Everybody sit down a hundred dollars at one o'clock, and one guy got all the money. And we already knew that format before they did it at the World Series. Amarillo Slim, who rarely told the truth and claimed credit for everything, he told people he invented freeze out. And hell, I'd already played it for years before that, you know. But and I've done fairly well at the small tournaments, but. If you go to a place like Windstar, and you enter a smaller tournament, and you it takes all day, and you might win as much as first place over in the side games. And also, with the bigger fields, tournaments taking longer, I'm getting too old for the tournaments. In other words, it's just uh, it's too grueling. I hear you. Uh, Do
4: you still play bridge,
3: Shardy? I won the I won the West Texas tournament here 2 years in a row, which probably had 3 or 4 tables.
4: What where but was that played? What where was that played?
3: Up in an apartment where a guy ran a poker game. I ran poker games for years. I'd run small games and cut the pot. Play in the two levels of bigger games. There was a medium game, and then there was a real big game. And in the the only games we played were Hold'em, Texas Hold'em, and Seven Five, Kansas City Lowball, and not as much Lowball. Um, poker Hold'em from the, about the mid fifties on, and I don't know when it was invented, but. It pretty much dominated, and the better players wanted to play it. You know, was it always and played? Board,
4: was it always played no limit, Johnny, or did you play it limit at first?
3: Oh, we start playing no limit in third grade, and we never played limit. And also, I ran these poker games, and gosh, I don't, you know, I can remember the big gamblers and things they said. In teaching me exact sayings and all. And I can't even hardly remember the little games, but I don't, and I don't know how I scratched out a living, but we'd have eight players and it'd be a $20 sit in and we'd play no limit. And I only, I, I quit playing limit in about high school.
4: I see. When you ran your games, your little games, were they limit games or were they no limit games?
3: They were, the little, all of them, regardless of the size, they were no limit. In other words, even my little game was no limit. I see.
4: Have you ever played uh, in a limit tournament, or have the only tournaments you've played been no limit?
3: Yeah, only tournaments I've ever played were no limit.
4: Well, let me ask you this, Johnny. You, you started out wanting to be a gambler. You became a gambler. You ran small games. You played in bigger games. You played money bridge. You played a lot of poker why did you end up deciding not to do that full-time and to become a university teacher instead
3: well when i was 26 years old i got my first job for mcgraw-hill book company i faked up a resume you know and i got my first job traveling for mcgraw-hill book company that's when i got out of college and you know they paid me and then the second week I mean, two weeks went by and they paid me again. I didn't have to win anything. I couldn't go broke. And we'd always make fun of working people, you know, and we'd joke about it and, and all. But it was just, uh, it was better to, for me to work and uh, play poker too. And I've never worked an eight hour day ever. And I worked for Garhill for three years, and I took another five years off. But that was mostly to go to graduate school and get my doctorate. I was married then. And uh, since that time, I've always had a job. But it was like a sales job where you go in for two or three hours in the morning, and then it was a professor's job where you go in for three hours, four hours in the morning. Um and you're free in the afternoon. I spend mornings at the university, afternoons with the gamblers and nights with the hippies. It was three (laughs) totally different cultures. (laughs) That's
4: very cool. Why don't you tell uh, our audience what the name is of your current book and how they can get a hold of it?
3: Okay. I have two books for sale on Amazon, and you can look at www.johnnyhughes.com. J O H N N Y H U G H E S. My latest book, and I think everybody would like it, whether they're a gambler or not, is called Famous Gamblers, Poker History, and Texas Stories. And as I said in all of my writings, and I'm trying to teach. In other words, I'm trying to teach the people the things that these old gamblers taught me. And there's two basic things I'd like to mention.
4: Okay, go ahead.
3: One is the math of it and what is a professional gambler. And back in our day, we'd say gambler, and it didn't mean the same as it does now. It meant somebody made their living, gambling. And you take a percentage advantage. If you shoot craps, you're the fader. If you have slot machines, you own the slot machine. If you play poker, you attempt to have all your bets make mathematical sense where you have the best of it, a percentage advantage, and you don't play other games. I go in a casino and I don't gamble at anything but poker. I might make a $10 horse bet every once in a while because I'm on vacation, but uh, I wouldn't put a quarter in a slot machine. Somebody might see me, I'd be so ashamed. (laughs) And um, that's the first thing, is just always take the best of it. And the second thing is, gambling is in two phases. The first phase is the wager, and the second phase is the outcome. The first phase, you bet on a football game. The second phase is, somebody does win or lose. And you should care about the first phase, and put your intellect into that, but you don't care at all whether you won or lost. You just feel zero emotion about it. I call that my inner poker face. And gamblers are used to that ups and downs. Today we got off winter in the stock market, and then we blew it at the end. What am I going to do, beat myself up three days a week over that? You know, and along with this, of not feeling anything, whether you won or lost. You don't care about how you do for a day or a month. You care about how you do for a year. And your gambling income will equal the number of bets you faded times the percentage advantage. And your losses would be if you weren't taking the advantage. Titanic Thompson said that all a man needs to be a winner is to feel good about himself and have some kind of advantage. And so the two go together. If you have trust in the mathematics of poker and you know that you're making the right plays, then you shouldn't care. People, there's no such thing as a bad beat. There's no such thing. Runner, runner, so what? It happens. It's part of probability. The, uh... I hear these guys, why you hit a straight on me, and they're whining around. It's a bad beat. Well, they got to hit some straights, or you wouldn't um, fade straights. You know. In other words, it's just part of it. One thing that used to happen in the earliest days of hold'em is any time the suckers got two hearts and a flush draw, they thought it was even money. And also a rule kind of we had is don't give poker lessons, don't tell the odds, don't tell somebody you made a great play, you know. Uh, that's what my mother would do in Bridge. She'd just play the living devil out of those cards, and then she'd say, that was a scissors coup, And she'd talk to me as if those two people weren't even there, you know, just kind of a rudeness. But at the shop where we had a 35-year poker game for road gamblers and outlaws and anybody wanted to play. And several of the world champions played, and, uh, you know, Amarillo Slim was there and Sailor Roberts and different ones would come there. Uh, You didn't celebrate, no high-fiving kind of stuff, but you didn't bad beat story or you didn't show it in your face when you lost a pot. And the way to keep from showing it is to keep from feeling it i love johnny we're going to have to
4: end uh we're going to have to end on that note i'm looking forward to having you on again and i've appreciated your time with us uh right now
3: okay well thank you ashley thanks to doug
4: well one of these days you and i have got to get together
3: yeah I'd like to do that. uh hey, hey you went to Japan, right?:
4: I sure did. It was great, and if you ever go there, I'll tell you all the things you need to do to go find a game.
3: Did you play poker there?:
4: I sure did I sure did. In fact, I
3: When you when listen you poker more places than anybody I've ever heard
4: of. <laughs> well, that's probably true. Johnny, take okay. care when you when you listen to this show, the mailbag segment will have my full story on playing in Japan. I hope. Okay. <laughs> okay. Take care, Johnny. Bye. Bye. Everyone, that was Johnny Hughes, a great raconteur, a great writer. Uh, we're going to pause and then come back with more House of Cards.
1: Attention, taxpayers! If you've received a notice from the IRS or state, do not ignore it. It's also a big mistake to try and handle your tax problem on your own. If you owe back taxes, it's a fact that the government has the power to take everything you own, including your home, business, wages, savings, and your freedom. But here's the good news: there's a special toll-free tax hotline set up especially for you. This tax hotline will tell you about new programs that are geared to help you dramatically settle, reduce, or eliminate what you owe. But you have to call now. Take down this number or put it in your cell phone. But call one 866 577 4680 That's one 866 577 Seven forty six eighty. When you call, you get free information on how you can reduce or eliminate back taxes, including penalties and interest. You can also be helped if you have unfiled returns, a tax lien, wage garnishment, bank levy, or if you've been entered into a payment plan but can't make the payments. Don't make the big mistake in thinking you can ignore or handle your tax problem on your own. You can stop the collection process immediately. Call this special tax hotline today for free info at 1-866-577-4680. That's 1-866-577-4680. 1-866-577-4680.
2: listening to the house of cards is winning the most important thing uh yeah yeah um what do you mean even with like considering
0: health
1: and like world peace
2: yeah
0: yeah
1: definitely
4: Welcome back, everyone. This is Ashley. I am here uh, for House of Cards with my producer, Dave Weishaddle, in studio. This is my favorite part of the show, by the way, the mailbag segment. So uh, what do we got this week, Dave?
2: Well, a little housekeeping. I just want to tell people how to get in touch with us. If you have a question for the mailbag, you can reach us at info at houseofcardsradio.com. You can, uh, let me see if I get this right, tweet at us. I hope I said that right, at houseofcardsradio.com. HOC Radio. You can leave a message for us on the Facebook page or call our hotline at 609-474-4627.
4: I don't now, think that's the right uh, verb. I don't think you tweet, tweet, tweet at us, at. Doug. I think tweet. You <laughs> do tweet us. Tweet people or tweet at us? Tweet at us.
2: Tweet Oh, whatever. Okay. So what do we got, Dave? Doug better be nice to us or I'll tell him about the production meeting we just had mm. of the verbiage. Maybe our next uh, <laughs> mailbag. <laughs> So now that I uh, told people how to get a hold of us, I'm going to disregard all the questions we got this week and ask you about an amazing trip you just came
4: back Well, it all stems from the fact that I have an amazing wife who uh, teaches something that is sought after the world over. My wife teaches something called the Alexander Technique, which is a method of learning a more easeful way of doing whatever you do. Oh, wow. She actually doesn't just teach. She trains teachers of the technique at the Boston Conservatory. And in that practice, she has come to the attention of folks who are in Japan. So she said, I've been invited over to Japan to teach for three weeks Um, My wife and I are always together on Friday night, so the only way she could do this would be if I accompanied her so we could be together on Friday night. Uh, You found the loophole. I have to go with you, honey. That's right. (laughs) That's absolutely right. And so, you know, kicking and screaming, (laughs) she dragged me all the way to Tokyo. But the condition that I had was I had to find a poker game. So when I, am, Which, by the way, is not an easy task in Japan. Well,
3: because it's no strictly
4: illegal yeah. uh, in Japan. It's not just that there are no casinos, because I find games where there are no casinos, but uh, it is strictly illegal. In fact, the guy I ended up getting hooked up with, which I'll talk to you about, um, told me that if he were arrested and convicted, first offense, many, many thousands of dollars and a few nights in jail. Oh, wow. Okay. First wow. offense. Second offense, he said, it's not a joke at all. It's two years in jail, a couple of $100,000 fine. So it's hard to find a game. He said there are underground casinos run by the Japanese mafia. Uh, I forget their name. It uh, starts with a Y. Um, but what he does well, is... Well, let me yeah. ask
2: you something. The fact that you're asking around for a game in Japan, does that put you in any legal... Well, I didn't
4: ask around no, for a in, game in Japan. Right. The way oh, okay. I found the game, which is how I often find things, is I asked my poker friends, my connected friends in the poker universe, the best of which is Linda Johnson, who uh, runs Card Player Cruises, has been a guest on this show a few times, and her friend Jan Fisher. I sent them an email and I said I'm going to Japan. Can you uh, hook me up with anybody? I know that you have been there a few times. And they said, absolutely. (laughs) There is a great guy. His name is Hiroshi. And he uh, has not just set us up with poker, but he has taken us on tours of the country. Wonderful contact. So I contacted Hiroshi. And Hiroshi, as it turns out, uh, hooked me up with a game, undisclosed location. Okay. Um, And I would say this. I had a wonderful experience. It's not something I would do regularly because in order to run an underground game, you have to charge a lot in Japan in order to make the game make sense given all the risk that you're taking. And so the rake is prohibitively insanely ridiculously high. Even so it was worth it to play here. What happened was um I met Hiroshi who took me out for a wonderful, wonderful dinner. He uh took me to a place he had been going to uh near what's called the Tokyo Dome. That's where the Giants play, the the biggest team in Tokyo. Oh Japan. yeah, yeah, no, they're
2: famous. Yeah, baseball. Uh, yeah. That's
4: right. And uh there's a place near there that he runs a game in, but he took me to dinner first, and it's a place he had been going to since he was a child. And in fact, the wait staff were two women that he said, I've grown up with them serving me. They were like in their 80s or 90s. And it was a wonderful meal, a rice dish with um, cooked in a pot that it served in as well. It was a, I had seafood, and I also had some grilled chicken. and It was a great dish, wonderful meal. He paid for it wow. and told me stories about Japan and his travels around the world playing poker, he had been a tournament victor, uh, Victor, he had lived in Canada, blah, 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 takes me to the game. On the way, we stop at something I'd never seen before. It was a free poker game, hmm. meaning no money, entertainment purposes only, but players are so devoid of places to play that they pay $30, <laughs> 3,000 yen okay. to play in this free game. I mean, imagine a bar league game with mm-hmm. no prizes, just play money, and people pay thirty bucks just to sit down and play for chips. I mean, unbelievable. <laughs> but he took me there, and they played, and I actually I got a chip from the game. It was called the uh, Backdoor Cafe, and the icon of the Backdoor Cafe is a woman's butt uh, <laughs> in hot pants. So at least they have a sense of humor. The Backdoor Cafe. <laughs> but that's it. That's we gotta it. go. Goodbye, everybody. We'll see you next time, and uh, that's it for House of Cards.